Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke from BurkeReviews.com, and with me from across the pond is the Kingsman to my statesman, Matt Hudson from WhatIWatchTonight.co.uk. How's it going today, Matt? It is going good, my friend. Very, very good, mate. Uh, a lovely start to the week. Oh, by that I mean it's been, you know, chilled and easy and no problems whatsoever, which is always a, <laughs> a bonus in the country that I live in with our lawmakers. But other than that, mate, yeah, it's good. Very well. How are you? I am doing all right as well. You know, chaos ensues here in the States. Things are, are <laughs> rapidly changing and evolving. And uh, two two people now have tested not once but twice positive for COVID, meaning that there is no such thing as immunity to this thing, or at least that's the uh, the pessimist in me because two people in the U.S. have now tested positive twice, uh, several months from each other, and apparently both have worse cases this time around so not a good apparently thing it's mutating is the word i've heard which Oof. is exactly what you don't want to hear correct um as we are you know still far from a a uh, cure and or vaccine and now it mutating is definitely not what we want to happen so um, you hope everyone's staying safe out there yes and you know there's all sorts of there's an election on and um things are chaotic and uh expectations are high and it's 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 just you know it's a crazy time to be alive and yeah we're just doing what we do but um on the bright side matt i think this has become a a a narrative that's worth exploring so i stopped at dunkin donuts on my way here yeah always worth exploring right we do this this seems to be the trend i get a cold brew and i ask the person do you have a pumpkin donut Mm. and the answer has been a collective no for several weeks now. And I, I always take that as a bit of a blessing, right? Because I don't really need the donut, but I want a pumpkin donut. I like pumpkin. I Drum like pumpkin roll starting. So I asked today, do you have a pumpkin donut? He says, no, but uh, there's a but, a but, because <laughs> there has not been a but in the previous times. This time there's a but. We have the pumpkin donut holes and or munchkins as the uh, Dunkin' Donuts calls it. Donut holes. And I'm like, all right, sir, you got me. I'll take some donut holes. And I, I, I like, what's, what's the smallest size? And he's, you know, 10. I'm like, all right, fine. I don't need 10 munchkins, but I can, yeah. I'll save some for my wife. So I get the 10 munchkins, right? Now, here's the weird trend that I've noticed about my Dunkin' Donuts. They never have what you want. But when they don't have what you want and they have something to substitute, they seem to throw in extra because I got way more than 10. I don't know how many's in that bag. Yes. I don't know what but, I'm kind of excited for. I don't get any of them, but still, it's yeah. exciting. But so I ate, my, I ate my like four, and I'm like, all right, now I'm going to save the rest for my wife and or daughter and or both um, because, you know, I got to be responsible. But it, I have to say, it was very satisfying to finally have a Dunkin' Donut pumpkin f- donut, even if it's not the, the full donut. The, to me, there's no difference between the munchkin and the regular donut. So um, other than, you know, the cost. Sounds. But as far as like texture and flavor, I'm good. So um yeah i was i was i finally got something matt I, it wasn't the donut but it's still pumpkin flavored donut product from dunkin donuts but i i'm pleased for you i'm also hot, green horribly jealous as well if anyone from dunkin donuts uk is listening 
open up the goddamn Chelmsford branch again. I went there every every week to buy stuff from you guys. I kept you afloat. I missed you for one weekend. The next thing I know, there's a for sale <laughs> sign outside. So oh, bring no. the franchise back outside of London. I'm only just outside of London. This is my impassioned plea. Bring them back. And if you're not listening, guys, start a petition. Bring Dunkin' Donuts to Matt or something. So oh, I'm going to step down from my pedestal now and get back on with the show, John. Yes. No, I think that's a worthy thing. And again, if you want to sponsor the show, Dunkin' Donuts, you know, we've talked <laughs> about you a lot in the last month. Uh, yes. Feel free to reach out and hook us up. I mean, we don't, we're not even talking money. If you just want to give me free coffee, I'm in. Um, I'll take the pastries. Yes. Uh, there's See, there's options is what we're saying. Um but we're not here to review our newest donut excursion. No, no. We are actually here to review some movies. In fact, one specific film this week. We're going to be looking at Black Box, uh, directed by Emmanuel Osai Kufour. Sounds right. Is that Nailed right? Nailed All right. Uh, written by him and Stephen Herman. I can definitely say Nailed that name. It. <laughs> okay. Now, here's the thing. I really like the actor whose name I'm about to butcher. I am a big fan. Um, he was in a movie called Patty Cakes a few years ago that I really, really liked. And uh, I, I didn't recognize him uh, at first, but once it clicked, I was like, oh, yes. And then um, I really enjoyed him in this. And it's uh, Mamadou Athi. Yep. Going to go with that. Mamadou Athi. It's either Athi or Athi, but, you know, tomatoes, okay. tomatoes. Uh, Felicia Rashad, who is always terrific. Amanda Christine Tosin Mora Hunfola. And I am so sorry. And uh, Charmaine Bingwa. Um, I I did pronounce Felicia Rashad correct though. So you did those quite well to be honest. And for the running um, the running thing there is, guys, for anyone who's heard any of our shows, John always gets the the more awkward pronunciations of both of of, of, of the two of us. I I have a hard time with certain like like letter combinations in up from other languages or whatnot. So uh, I I man, I'm it's I'm awful, but. Uh, the summary of Black Box is after losing his wife and his memory in a car accident, a single father undergoes an agonizing experimental treatment that causes him to question who he really is. Has a 61 Metascore, a 6.0 IMDb user score, and a 75 RT. That's the Rotten Tomatoes. And this one's available to watch right now on Amazon Prime as part of the Blumhouse. House of Blum? Is that Welcome to the Blumhouse. That's what it's called. That's better. Well, you know. I think what I said was pretty good. They should maybe reconsider. Jason Blum, if you're listening, you can use it. Uh, I just demand half of whatever royalties you can give me. So, and Dunkin' Donuts. Um, yes. Uh, we're begging for sponsors. So um, I watched this on uh, Saturday night mm-hmm. or Saturday morning. And um, we picked this one. There were two movies that dropped uh, from Blumhouse. This and The Lie, right? That's the yes, other one? That's right, yep. And we, we, you might have heard us debating this on the last episode. We were, we kind of uh, worked out which of these two to review on the episode, which we don't usually do. But, <laughs> we don't do that. Um, Big Tuna, a friend of the show and pod, um, had encouraged me to go with Black Box, thinking that it would be more my speed. I did not watch The Lie, to be fair, but um, I don't think he was wrong. I really like Black Box a whole lot. Um, one, I, I just, I don't think Felicia Rashad gets enough love in general. I just think she's tremendous in general. And uh, I really, really like her in this movie. I think she fits the role really well. Obviously, um, she's in, from the Cosby show. That's where I grew up watching her. And I loved her in Creed. Um, yeah. And Creed too, But in Creed especially, I, th- I think she's terrific. Um, 
I tend to enjoy her performances and I think she's really, really good in this, but uh, we, we got to really focus on our lead. Uh, Mamadou Athi or Athi, uh, whichever is correct and or neither are correct, but whatever um, dude is a powerhouse. Like I really like him. He conveys so much and so little. I, I I'm looking at his filmography and I've like, I've seen more movies with him, but at the same time, like I don't remember him in underwater so much. I liked underwater. More I than I expected to. Obviously, I remember him in Patty Cakes because we both dug that film. Yes, but it wasn't it wasn't immediate, was it? It wasn't like I didn't see him and think, "Ah, oh, you're the you're the dude from Patty Cakes," and he's in Dominion, right. Jurassic World, in whenever that comes out. Which yes, I am looking forward to that. And I I meet I uh, Big Tuna recommends Uncorked also, which he's in on, which appears to be a Netflix movie. So I'm gonna watch that. Sweet. Um, he's in a couple of Netflix movies actually because he's also in the Unicorn Store apparently, and um, I saw The Circle. I not not so good of a movie. I, I don't remember much about Blake, that. Uh, so I don't know. Watson. Yeah, I don't know if he had a big role in that movie or if he was just one of the like the many many like employees at the circle kind of thing. But I think he's terrific in this film. Um, I do think that getting into this film to converse without spoiling anything feels really hard. Like, because I definitely think this movie wants to twist and turn, and it. I, I feel like knowing too much going in is definitely not the way you should experience this. I think this is one of those movies that benefits from you not knowing anything. And, uh, you know, there's some things that you could read into uh, the, even the plot summary, I think does a pretty good job of being spoiler free, but there's things after seeing the movie that I'm like, Oh, interesting choice of words or whatever, you know? Um, and I, but I, I never felt, I guess, I went in uh, associating this with Blumhouse thinking this would be a more traditional horror film. And this, it, I never felt like scared or dread in this film. Um, maybe a little dread, but more like, you know, it was more empathetic dread. Like, Oh man, what is this? What's happening? But I, I actually found this film to be kind of intelligent, which isn't always the case for the Blumhouse horror films, right? Like some of the Blumhouse horror films are kind of dumb, like truth so, or dare. Hitting misquality um, isn't there to them. There, it, there has been. So I was really, uh, I'm really hopeful that this is a good sign that maybe uh, some of, the, if they're going to do more of these straight to video type movies, that they're going to be this quality. Because I thought this was was really excellent. Thought it looked really good. Um, I mean, I, I, I was hooked. Like I, I really felt pulled into the movie, and I was like, you know, on board for everything. Um, I thought the the two the child actress was pretty good. Um, not perfect, but I, you know, children actors are always a hit or, hit or miss mm-hmm. for sure, and they can wreck a movie if they're just like real bad. And uh, I, I thought she did a really good job. Um, and man, I don't know, um, I don't know what to say without like getting into spoiler territory. And I don't, we don't do that on this show. But no. uh, if you like um, a little bit of sci-fi horror, because I definitely think this leans that way, uh, I think this is a movie that is definitely worth your time to check out. Um, I don't think you're necess- if you're looking for like jump scares and or simplistic kind of just just enough to thrill you. I don't think this movie is that type of horror film. Um, I do think what happens is scary and it's um, I I don't want to say it's akin to like Twilight Zone, but I, I feel like it's more in, in line with that type of horror than Black Mirror or something. Yes. Ex- yeah. A more modern take, I guess, would be the way to go. But Black Mirror um, and even even some of the other anthology um, like like uh cat's eye or um creep show mm-hmm. that that type mm-hmm. of vibe where there's that a very clear kind of moral lesson about certain things and um 
I don't know. I found it. I found it really well made and very well acted, and uh, just really enjoyable. So I liked it a lot. What about you, Matt? What did you think? Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I have seen the lie, and I'll save any thoughts uh, on that till we get to a later segment. Um, but yeah, anthology is the word. These films feel like anthologies. Uh, obviously, the Welcome to the Blumhouse as a series is basically an anthology series of films, um, and they're kind of focusing more on family issues what i will say is they both got like horribly generic titles the lie black box uh, i know that the ones that are coming out this week have got slightly better titles but my biggest fear with the w- welcome to the blumhouse series was is this just a souped up way of saying these are the films we didn't want to release on this on the big screen we're just going to chuck them on amazon prime so that was my big fear was it, are these just like the cast offs like the cold cuts um for Black Box, I don't think it is. I think Black Box is a decent film. It does feel like a streaming movie. I will say that. You, you, you can tell uh, that it is a made-for-streaming film. There's something about it, and that isn't a negative to the film, but watching it, it did strike me that when I see Blumhouse television productions come up, it feels different from the big screen Um the big screen efforts. But, um, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. It's, you know, it's slow-burning and psychological, more than anything, a thriller rather than pure horror. I mean, they any kind of horror that's thrown in, for me, it felt like it was included just so they could add like a horror tag to it. To, to me, there wasn't much in there which felt like it deserved a horror tag. But like you said, when you watch a Blumhouse film, you do expect that even if their films aren't always like straight up horror, you, you can't, you still, you still, um, associate them with their genre and there's a another Blumhouse property another film by Blumhouse which this film kind of leans on a little bit in, in terms of some of the ideas um but I thought it was I thought it was pretty decent I think you're right though in terms of getting into it too much is tough because as, as you guys know on the bank we don't spoil films we give our thoughts but we don't spoil it there was an aspect of the film which I found more compelling than uh, other parts and I wish I'd kind of just gone with that instead but the intrigue that the movie sets up, as the synopsis says, you know, a man's lost his wife and his memory, uh, and he's basically trying to pick up the pieces um, via this new experimental treatment. That I found compelling, and the way that they, uh, the, the way that the movie sets it up, that so that we have to try and work out what's going on, along with Nolan, which is Mamadou Athi's character. I thought, re- I thought that was really good. Like the, the seeds they put in, like what his daughter says to him throughout the film to kind of jog his memory, you're kind of thinking, this is something, obviously something's at play here, but you just don't quite know what. Uh, and I, I liked that up until it gets to a certain point, and then it kind of deviates a bit for me, and it's st- still, it just about worked from that point onwards. But I thought Amanda Christine, who played the young, his young daughter, I thought she was good. You know, mm-hmm. I thought she was pretty damn good, actually, because I'm with you and most other people. Sadly, child actors can make or break a film, and I thought she was pretty solid. Um, yeah. I agree with Mamadou Athi. His timbre and tone to his voice reminded me of Adam Driver. Also, his little goatee as well reminded me of Adam Driver. The way yeah. he, the way he spoke and the way he put himself across. He didn't have the quite the same presence that Adam Driver had, but he still, you know, he's. I think he was very good in this, um, Mamadou Athi. And I also think that um, Tosin Morahun Fola. I hope I got that right. I, th- yeah. I thought he was good as well as his buddy. Um, looking at his. Um, filmography he's pretty much a newcomer yeah to the to the scene and i think he was but good. And i think seemed, actually everyone was good in this film 
yeah, I, I think I, I the performances were all great. I actually he seemed so familiar to me, yeah. and that's, I was surprised that he wasn't in stuff that I'd seen because I'm just like, man, I I can't place him, but I, he seems like somebody. You're um, right, but, and well, another thing this film gets right is the cost. Um, we like Blumhouse has already given us Get Out, which was a predominantly black uh, horror film. You know, black black leads, black uh, supporting roles. Black Box is is exactly the same. Which on on that side of the fence is fantastic to see, and I know that Jason Blum, who our friend Big Tuna had the pleasure of interviewing, and I, we mentioned last week. If you haven't checked it out, go read it. It's fa- fabulous. Um, but Jason Blum wanted to take the opportunity to introduce more diversity to the Blumhouse picture wheel, and he's certainly done that with Black Box, and um, uh, so I appreciated that. But I think the film was. I think it's a good film. It's a good film. Like JB said, if you're going in expecting a traditional Blumhouse romp, you're not going to get it. This feels a bit more toned down. This feels a little di- little different from what you might expect. For me, some parts weren't uh, weren't as strong and uh, almost fell apart. But the but the director, uh, Emmanuel Osaikafor, again, feature film debut, he just about managed to keep it on the level for me. So I'm looking at the audience scores and the critic scores. I can't really argue, really, with a 61 and a 75 for RT. I can't really, I, you know, I put myself roughly in that ballpark as well. Um, are you a bit higher than that, man? Or um, No, I think that's about right. Like, it, it would be, um, I think I would lean towards, like, my four-star rating, like the not-quite-golden, I think, is where it would fall for me. I think it's a little better than a decent watch. I think there's a lot of things that you can kind of chew on and walk away from uh, thinking about, which is always a good sign to me especially for a horror film because some some horror films are you know very surface level you just you watch it you enjoy it while you're watching it but then you walk away and you can just completely forget about it i think this one um can can stay with you and you can think about it and think about the ramifications and even analyze if it all really makes sense or not and i think it does a pretty good job of within its own rules making sense but um i'm kind of curious to hear what i know we can't do it here but like maybe afterwards uh, what what didn't work because I think I know but I'm also like is that what it was or is there something else um because there I don't think it's perfect either but uh, I do think it it's rather enjoyable and I will say to a degree I did come in with low expectations because Blumhouse Same. has been hit or miss for me um which I, I mean they pump out a lot of movies so it's, it shouldn't be like everything's not going to be perfect and um even more not every movie's for everybody i don't like certain types of horror films and that might be like truth or dare to me is just awful um jesus fantasy island wasn't fantasy good island, at yeah all. fantasy island i was enjoying until like the the quote-unquote reveals at the end i'm like what mm. what's happened like it, it got enjoying is a strong word i didn't mind parts of it you and then tolerated it yeah and then Appreciate at some it. point it became like this is this is obnoxious and i can't believe this is what they did we covered that last uh it wasn't even last year jesus it was, this, it year. was this year yeah we covered it christ um it feels a long time ago um so so obviously our thoughts are on it but and we are aware it's adapted from other material mm-hmm. it's not blumhouse original per se but yeah but then blumhouse have given us some absolutely killer films we mentioned get out Stuff like that I like. I think Paranormal Activity fell under there. Did it fell under their wheelhouse? Invisible Man was Blumhouse too, right? Yeah, yeah, and that was great. So probably good. the best film of the year so far. One of them in terms of like major releases. It might be anyway. the best film I saw in theaters this year, and that makes me That's what I mean, yeah, very, very sad. Um, but um, I like the fact that they're dropping these films on Amazon Prime. Two films this week, two films or last week this week. I think the last four are coming in twenty twenty one. But it's October, man. It's it's horror month for many people. It's Halloween's approaching. It's quite cool to get. 
for like horror slash thriller anthology films drop in at this time of year. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And on a on a accessible platform for most people as well. Yeah, and you know, um, especially for them. To, uh, I don't know what how uh, the the lie is. Um, I'm still probably going to check that one out, and then we'll get to what we're watching for our next episode. And it's but it's another part of this series, so uh, know that now. Uh, w- this isn't over, uh, Blumhouse. We're coming back for more. We're um, coming for you guys. But I do think this this is a really cool kind of thing that they've done, and I hope that um, if we're going to get this kind of quality, even because even if if there's four movies coming in this first run, right? Yeah. yeah. Even if only one of them is good. I'd still say that's a, a cool thing, you know, because like when I say good, I mean to me. And so if, if one is good to everybody, like if there's at least one of four is good for somebody, then, hey, that's a pretty good series uh, of movies that you just dropped included with our streaming service that we already had, you know, because, um, you know, we need we need I like I miss new content with theaters being closed. It just feels like we aren't getting nearly as many uh, movies to watch or at least. <laughs> most of the, the networks aren't doing a good job of promoting what's dropping. Like it dropped today and then you won't, you'll see it for like the next two days and then it's vanished. That's you know? Yeah. So okay. I'm hoping maybe, Oh, I was just with, with the uh, distribution company dropping stuff, maybe they'll promote it on their own platforms um, so that people actually know it exists and, and can watch it. Yeah. Well, about 75% RT and like John said, it's all subjective, but that's not a bad start. And look, if, if two of these films can be 75% like critic evaluated and rated fresh or whatever at four, that's a, to me, that's a good return because I mean, I never expected four films to blow my socks off. I would be happy with four films that were just pretty good. And this film to me is pretty good. So if they were all like this, great. And on that point of um, new content, these certainly these two films I've seen, they do feel slightly different to the other offering. Things like Trolls World Tour, uh, things like Mulan, Bill and Ted, they were sort of intended for cinema. So no, they don't feel like... It, that doesn't, there's something yeah. different to how they felt when they dropped. Whereas this feels now like new content, like specifically designed to come out at this time of year on this platform, more so than like the, some of the Dross Netflix drops in their originals and some also some of the Amazon prime ones as well but you know the fact that this has the blumhouse behind it that it was kind of hyped up beforehand and that they're giving us a couple of week feels more more like more of a targeted event um which i appreciate more than just someone like disney plus saying i don't know we'll just chuck chuck mulan on this for 30 quid and then everyone else can get it for a couple of weeks later and this feels a bit more like fresh new content yeah agreed agreed well um, that's it for our review of Black Box. Uh, we're going to move into our next segment, which is Chuffed Headlines. Movies and pop culture news that caught our attention. So, I mean, the first, the one I've gone for, I thought it might uh, it might pique your attention, JB. And this is a, a rumour slash conjecture. It's not entirely confirmed yet, but it may as well be. And it's Marvel not content with having Jamie Foxx confirmed to come back. Not content with having Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange confirmed for Spider-Man 3, or the third Spider-Man movie. Apparently, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are coming back as the old web-slinger himself, come back as Spidey. Uh, again, not confirmed, but 
rumors are flying around like wildfire that this is going to happen, that we're going to get this multiverse, which we got so brilliantly in, into the Spider-Verse a couple of years ago. And that was definitely a couple of years ago, not last week. Into the Spider-Verse was one of the best comic book films I've seen, period. Mm-hmm. Now, Spider-Man, this third Spider-Man film is apparently going balls to the wall and bringing, apparently Dane DeHaan's going to be coming back. Apparently, um, oh, um, Kirsten Dunst is in talks to be coming, to come back. I mean, Jay, 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 John, you hear this. And they're pulling out, it. obviously, Spidey from The Amazing Spider-Man and the, one of the villains. They're pulling out Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst from the best Spider-Man films. And obviously Tom Holland, Benedict Cumberbatch from this new MCU, and God knows who else they might bring back. What do you, well, To me, it sounds exciting, but obviously it all comes down to how well they pull it off. But what are you thinking about the idea of seeing all three live-action Spideys? I, I, man, I don't know. Um, I have very much soured on the what you call the best of the Spider-Man movies. <laughs> uh, I, I don't really like Tobey Maguire, and... Man, I haven't seen him recently, but how how does he look? He can't look like he did when he was Spider-Man, right? Like, he's got to look pretty aged at this point. And let's be real, Garfield should have never been playing high school Peter Parker. He should have already... They should have started him off as Spider-Man in college. And, like, mm-hmm. we didn't need an origin story. It would have no. made a lot more sense. Um, but I love the Holland Spider-Man. And let's be real. Kevin Feige has not given us much reason to doubt anything he's doing. So it is hard to argue with this. Now, the thing that concerns me is that because of how good the Spider-Verse animated movie was, that they're trying to cram it in our, in our gullet again. And I Mm -hmm. don't think we need that. It doesn't mean I don't want that, but I don't think we need it. And um, I do hope that this is going to be like a small part, especially with, with Dr. Strange being involved. There's a lot of easy explanation of the multiverse yeah. through him. And uh, it could be that we, it could be a, a gag, you know, like a 30 second gag. Cause let's be real. Nobody wants Electro from amazing Spider-Man two back in a movie. There's no Jamie Foxx can't possibly want that. That character is one of the worst written villains in any comic book movie, like period, because he he basically turns to a villain because Peter Parker forgot his name, like or Spider Man forgot his name. Well, like it. it's ridiculous that that is the setup for that villain, and even more that his gap tooth fixes when he turns into Electro, <sighs> which is like, why did you give him a gap tooth to begin with? Like it doesn't make Don't any sense. Don't try to explain the <laughs> downfalls of that film, JB. And that's exactly it. So, like, who who is like a lot of people wanted the two Parkers. I and I I was probably on board with that. But the fact that they're pulling Jamie Foxx and Dane DeHaan apparently what, stop trying what? to make Dane DeHaan a thing. I've said it before. For real, let it go, everybody. <laughs> I think Luke Basson taught us a lesson with Valerian or whatever that stupid movie was called, yeah. Yeah, the City of a Thousand. Let's not watch it again. Movies, you know, <laughs> like a Thousand Cups. It's, yeah, it's. I'm sorry, Dane. You, you you had a couple of moments where we were like, "Hey, you're not bad," and now it's like, "Nope." Yeah, I, when Corey, my podcast, my other podcast partner, bailed on Dane DeHaan, I knew it was time to let him go because she was an adamant, <laughs> tolerant like, Corey, gung ho, and event. Well, she was a huge fan from his early stuff and has very soured on him and is just like, "Nope, I'm done with him." And I'm sure she's a nice done with him. Sure, yeah, this isn't a critic like. <laughs> 
But, you know, you either you have a bad agent and you keep taking bad roles or you are meant to be a like tertiary character who shows up at the end and that's it. You know, like you don't mm no. And nothing about Amazing Spider-Man 2 is great. Like, let, like and I even I'm a Garfield defender. Yeah, I don't think he's bad in the role. I think yeah, he's I think he's really quippy and his embracing of the character outside of the movies was great. He was going to like hospitals with the costume and stuff like that, just like we've seen Tom Holland do. So all for that to a degree, but I just hope it's not going to wreck what I think is the best of the Spider-Man movies. I love Homecoming. I'm a big fan of Far From Home. I don't think either are, you know, exactly right, but I think what they're doing with the character is really interesting. I love that we didn't get a, another origin story. Yes. Um, and I was I was excited to see where they were going to take this. Now, if you've if you are familiar with like Spider-Man and the Civil War books, when he uh, he came, he announced that he was Peter Parker and how they fixed that. I believe Doctor Strange is involved in that process. So if you've seen Far From Home and I won't say exactly what happens, but there is a connection there. And that's why I thought Doctor Strange was involved. But now this all is making me question, what are they doing? Is it, is it even going to follow what happened at the end of Far From Home? Or are they just going to like, eh, it never happened. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Five years later, ignore everything that happened at the end. What, 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 the other thing that piqued my interest about this story is, let's not forget, what are we now? October, a month ago, maybe? We got the news. Keaton, Affleck, they're coming back as Batman. And we're getting True. the Flash coming over as well for... Um, Cross whatever I don't remember what film that's going to be in. Um, what film are they going to be in? Is a Flash? Well, um, it's a Flash. It's, it's flash, a Flashpoint. Yeah. Obviously, the Flash will be yeah. there, but different iterations of that. Different iterations of the Batman are coming back, and potentially Christian Bale. With apparently Nolan needs to give it a thumbs up. Um, but th- that came out, and now we're getting more Spideys introduced. And again, they they both got the link. Obviously, the Flash himself, and like the Flashpoint novels, and that. Plus the ones you just mentioned for Spidey and Doctor Strange. So they have ins, if you will. So they have ways to make it work. But I just found it interesting that both of the kind of leading uh, comic book film producers other than Sony are kind of bringing us these weird multiverses all of a sudden. Yeah, it, it well, it's, I guess, man, I guess that's the next evolution of the comic book movie, right? Is the crossover yeah. comic book movie. Um, because, you know, it has become... I don't know. Did they ever do this with Westerns? Is there like a weird, like where like the Duke fights somebody, you know what I'm saying? Like, is there some kind of crossover? Astrology. When we get into that, that'll help us. when we start uh, watching more Westerns. Right. Cause that like the, the, the very obvious comparison of genre is that the superhero film has replaced the Western from the old days, right? Like mm-hmm. that is the kind of blatant, clear uh, parallel. And so, I am I am stupid for looking this up. I decided to look up the Back to the Future like new Blu-ray, and I found out that there's like a, a 4K Alfred Hitchcock classics coming out, and I'm like losing my mind. So <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, the best are um, British. So I have to stop shopping while doing the podcast. But concentrate, um, Birkenfield. I was so focused, and then like the Back to the Future pulled me in. But um, he's a teacher, this guy's. I'm, you got to multitask, right? That's how do you get anything done? Um, but yeah, I. I am, I'm apprehensive. I would be, man, I don't know. I'm, I'm always apprehensive with the superhero sequels because at some point we're going to get to the true exhaustion. I think some of us have hit that. I think Endgame might've been that like, okay, it's over now. Right. And everyone's like, no, it's like, oh, three months later, he's yeah. far from home or whatever it's, uh, that was far mm-hmm. from home. And then COVID, and this sounds awful, but in terms of COVID, 
it may have actually helped with that fatigue, right. despite it being like the just horrible, keeping it PG, horrible, horrible plight on the world. In terms of film and talking about this context, so please don't anyone take my words out of context, but by now mean it pushing everything back by a year or two in, in terms of film, it gives people that chance to appreciate that phase of the MCU, the DCU movies more, the Sony movies. So when we do come to getting them again, you kind of think, you know what? I have missed that time period. Uh, they become more of the Star Wars event type films rather than they were kind of being churned out with such a regularity that they, I got fatigued during it. And when Endgame yeah. had finished, the first thing I said was, right, where the hell do they go from there? Do they build up to another Endgame? And I know they've got, they're going for uh, things like uh, Shang-Chi and Eternals and obviously Spider-Man's coming and Thor, Love and Thunder. So they're still, you know, there's, they're kind of established oh, right. and non-established, but who knows? Maybe this is and the a Doctor Strange sequel. And the, and the Multiverse of Madness, um, which I'm assuming may play into this somehow. Sounds well. like it, yeah. I don't know. Plus, obviously, the Disney Plus series we've got coming on. But I'm excited just for the fact that it would just be bonkers to cool to see Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland together. And if they could get like the comic sensibilities right, where it, if they could recreate the meme of all three Spider-Man's pointed Spider-Men pointing at each <laughs> other, that would be gold but I don't know, yeah. i'm i'm excited for the idea but if it didn't happen uh, you know i'm not going to be knocking on kevin feige's door demanding an explanation and i i do think that feige won't do anything that's going to damage the brand so yeah, exactly um or at least he's going to try not to damage the brand obviously you can't always control that but i do feel like he's been a, a good uh keeper of the of the movies and so in feige we trust i hope it's it's solid but yeah. um Speaking of, though, kind of pulling from the old days, I was kind of baffled to see this headline. Um, I am a big fan of The Others. Mm. Uh, I really, like, when I when I think of, like, horror movies from my, you know, high school to college, early college years, because um, I'm, like, a sophomore when this movie comes out, this is a film that I really lock onto, and I love so many things about it. One, it's PG. So I've taught this film a couple of times because of that, because it is, it's it's very accessible. Um, I don't always like uh, this type of like period piece horror, but I think this one works really, really well. Uh, it's directed by Alejandro Amenabar. Amenabar. And stars Nicole Kidman. Um, and really, that's kind of it. Like, I don't know if the kids have ever done. Oh, well, Chris Eccleston's in it for a little bit, but, you know, the doctor it's had Nicole to leave. Um, vehicle, isn't it? It is. And I don't know if the kids have ever done anything after this. Um you know, they would be, they don't seem like it looking at their letterbox. They seem like they've pretty much did this movie and, and checked out. Um, but I think they, they are good in the movie. I think the kids are really good. And we were just talking about the child actors. I think both performances are really solid. And in a horror movie, that's even more important. Yeah. Um, but there, there's a really great, you know, element to this film and how it, you know, the atmosphere is amazing. The use of light and dark and uh, their explanation, like the rules of the world. Cause the kids have like this allergy to light and it's just, it's just such a cool concept and then it executes and it when you think you understand everything there's a big twist and it, it just rocks and i i the movie's only from 2001 mm -hmm. and apparently i don't know if you saw this or not but uh they're gonna make a remake um it, it's universal pictures and sentient entertainment have partnered to remake this movie i don't know why like i don't understand because I don't feel like this is an IP that has a huge, like it did do really well in the box office. Don't get me wrong. Like the movie did well, but I don't know if it's, it's not like 
where people are clamoring for another one or like this one's still pretty new like the people who would go see it again don't necessarily want it and the people who have no attachment to it like the young kids or whatnot they would go see anything if you sell them the premise you know you don't need to call it the other so like i don't get when we do remakes like this what the motivation is um because it feels too fresh like if the filmmaker is still making movies and i don't know that he is to be fair i haven't seen any other of his films that i i can think of um i i've never seen open your eyes even though i I, i've seen vanilla sky and i really want to see open your eyes i have not seen it um i did not see regression that looks like a heart is that javier bardem it is he's in a movie called the sea inside that he directed uh, but yeah, I haven't seen any of these other films, but it looks like he's made some movies since then. Yeah, nothing that other than like, like Vanilla Sky and things like that. Nothing really uh, jumps out, but he has a he's an Academy Award winning director. Yeah. And so like the guy's still around, though, and you're like remaking his movie that I I feel like he might have even wrote, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, he did. Um, he wrote, scored, directed. It was almost like a labor yeah. of love for the dude. Right. So like, uh, granted, he might be getting a good payday from this and maybe that's why it's happening. But at the same time, it's just like the dude's still here. His movie's still relevant. Like, why are we remaking that already? Like, it seems like there's got to be room. Oh, although I didn't know that the Weinsteins produced that. That's that. Maybe that's the reason. Maybe <laughs> should not be named. Um, but, you know, like, I just feel like we are way too quick to remake things. And I think the argument that can be had for remakes this quickly are, are like Broadway and theater, right? Like they constantly redo productions of, yeah. of musicals and things, but those things are temporary. Like once they're over, they're over. So redoing is the only way to see that story again, where a movie, like they could just issue this on criterion or, you know, re-release it on 4k. Like there's ways to make this movie in the zeitgeist again, without remaking it. And again, you can tell a similar story, with maybe new characters, do a new take on it. Cause that's, what's going to happen. And then what happens with a lot of remakes is people get very precious about our original. Yeah. And we're going to compare your new one to it. And if it's not as good, we're going to rip it apart. And like if, if the, the trailer for the craft dropped a couple weeks ago, and that's not even a true reboot. That is actually like a continuation oh, yeah. of some. And the, but the trailer looks so bad. Like, I can't even like fathom what they like. Did you see the original film? It seems like you have no idea what the original one was really about. Like, this looks nothing like the original craft in any way. Like, other than you threw in a Polaroid picture of our main character or the main antagonist from the first movie. Like, wow, it looks stupid. And that's the type of thing. It's like, if you are going to, you know, bring back an IP with the hope of having a built-in audience, which is always the the motivation, right? Yes. You got to do it justice and not just bastardize it for a a quick dollar. Because, like, there's so many scripts that don't get made every year, right? That I'd rather you take a script that's not getting made than remake something that doesn't need to be remade. Now, I do think, like, we look at, like, Psycho, the Gus Van Sant Psycho, right? Most people don't feel like it needed to be made, but at least I understand why he would want to do that. Like I get not even for money. Like I, he was like an experiment for himself to like, I want to see if I can make a Hitchcockian film. And there was distance and between the original as well. More so big than time this. distance, right? To be fair, not an awful lot more, but there was distance. No. Yeah. This isn't even 20. I mean, I guess it'll be 20 years old by the movies actually made and released. Yeah. Uh, but um, it still feels like it's way too soon. And again, like, 
everyone that's still involved is still around and doing things like so it's like you could literally recast nicole kidman and like <laughs> she was just like a little bit older because let's be real she's aging quite well uh like her ex-husband so you know um i don't know i i'm not in uh what are your thoughts i've, I've said a lot are you a fan of the original or like yeah, are man. you this is this is the kind of horror film i like i like i like i like horror as a genre but these are the films i really like things like the others where it is such a moody film. It's a slow film, and they rather than like going gung ho, it, it t- takes it the entire movie to build up the atmosphere. It builds up a mood. This is you know like similar to what we said about Winchester before it came out. This looks like it could be a great ghost story, haunted house film where it builds up this atmosphere. Uh, I'm not going to mention that film again, but the others did that for me. It built up a really good atmosphere. I really liked it. I think Nicole Kidman was great. It it um. It did what horror can do so well, which is have a very small budget, but bring a lot of the money in just by telling a simple but very effective story. Same, similar, like we mentioned to The Invisible Man this year. Tiny budget, but it told its story well and it utilised everything in its power perfectly well. And big but big, big money return and um, great performances. And the others to me was similar in the sense that it was it was a film which uses limitations very well. Limitations in terms of budget, not anything else. But um, no, I I did like the others. I and I entirely agree with everything you've just said there about what what what's the angle here? What's the motivation? What's the need? Because like you say, it's not even twenty years old yet. The actors, the main actors and actresses, are still around. So is the director still working? It made good money at the theatre, the cinema. It was critically reviewed very well, and uh, most academ- most awards bodies around the world, you know, held it in high esteem, other than the Academy itself. But you know, I mean, so it's not like we're you know, taking something which was reviled, which had a great idea, but just wasn't executed well, and right. putting a new spin on it. We just, I mean, what do they intend to do in order to either make it better, bring it to a new audience? I mean, what, 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 I'm not, I, I, I like you, I, I struggle to fathom what anyone who's going to direct this can bring to the table, which justifies it. Look, I'm all for a remake. If, if somebody wants to do it, go for it. Great. I'll just go back and watch the other one if this one blows. But like right. you said, it's, it's not like covering a song or going to watch a Broadway or West End show knowing that in a year's time it's going to be a different cast and maybe slightly different story. Like I say, if this doesn't, this this just smacks of a very strange film to go back and redo. You know, if they they had the rumors of The Exorcist being remade. I don't know; they seem to have died a death. But as much as that is the greatest film of all time, don't come at me. There is that distance now that, and there is that kind of like, well, nothing's untouchable. It's some, let's let's see what someone can do with that story. They never do it better, but why not? But the others just seems like a really kind of niche atmospheric horror film and i just don't understand why people would want to remake it but hell who like you said obviously the blacklist or whatever with all the scripts that haven't been redone obviously that's run dry for the minute and they had to go back to this film in order to you know rekindle the uh audience's love of horror i don't know man I've, obviously i'm gonna go and see it. i don't hold any ill will towards the film it's such a very odd one yeah i, I just you know like I'm the same. I don't, I'm not inherently opposed to a remake. I just know that there's so many great stories that go unmade 
or yeah. at least potentially great stories that I would love to, for them to have that opportunity than to just remake something. Probably potentially similar as well. To right. Because it is like, in this essence, it's a ghost story. Like let's maybe again, if they deviate too much, then you have to ask, well, why this one? And again, too, like, cause none of these, it's not like this is some beloved book that they're remaking for the fifth or yeah. sixth time. Like little women, I think perfectly. And if you, I haven't, I still have not watched the nineties, little women, but from the people I know who have seen both, it seems like one works and one doesn't and it it flips like some really like the original or maybe not the original but yeah. the 90s version some really like the Greta Gerwig yeah. version and like but that to me like you can see why Gerwig made it like it's very clear that she had her take on the book so it, maybe that's what the case is with the others but it doesn't sound like it. it sounds like it's a cash grab and that makes me sad yeah a very and again a reiterate anyone out there listening who who, who is thinking what are these guys on about it's prime it's ripe for a remake please do let us know because i i i don't want to feel like i'm missing something important and well maybe or maybe on the maybe on the flip side i'm going to look at it on the other side maybe somebody could take the story give us an atmospheric film but maybe dig a little bit deeper or further into the psyche maybe i don't know i'm trying to think of positives here but i don't know again when the film comes out, I'm not going to boycott because I'm not an idiot. <laughs> Do you know what I mean, but I'll, I'll check it out. But it is a, there are if they want to remake horror films, there are other ones like they did with Evil Dead, a beloved film, but they bought out Evil Dead and they bastardized that and they you know they turned it into something evil. Whereas the first one is creepy and it looks a little bit dated now. Let's not lie about it. The 2013 version is for a film called Evil Dead. That is what I expect a film called Evil Dead to be, and that film is brutal. I can't. I just worry that they'll take the others and turn it into a lot of what we're getting now, which is just mass-produced, just rubbish almost for the modern audiences. So, especially is our modern audience is going to tolerate, and I don't mean to generalise, but tolerate a slower-paced horror film like that. The others was the Invisible Man had that but it wasn't like the others to me in terms of how it was put across. So I don't know. It's a strange, it's a good choice though for a headline, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, it caught my eye because I, I, I went scrolling through a lot of articles. And I'm just like, eh, uh, well, let's be real. We generally do movie news and there is not a lot of movie news right now because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there's not a lot of movies coming out. In fact, the, I guess the headline that I somehow missed was that soul, the new Pixar yes. film is going straight to uh, Disney Plus and not theaters, which is just another uh, nail in the coffin to the theater chains. Um, I felt like maybe it wasn't. We've talked about that a lot, so I didn't want to make that my headline this week. But it's worthy just no, to no. mention real quick here uh, before we move on to the next segment. I I can't wait to watch Soul. I've been excited for Soul for a little while now. So again, one hand, it is a blow to the theater industry, which we've spoken about. Uh, ad nauseum but at length but on uh, but in the world that we live in now that the fact that we can just have it on disney plus at our fingertips at our leisure and convenience mm-hmm. that's good i you know that is a good thing i don't want it to replace the theater going experience but you know i'm cool with the fact that it's coming out on disney plus at least i get to watch it um and there was the other news which we mentioned as well uh e- that uh Anya taylor joy is officially now going to be young furioso as well so soul and furioso news not bad no no uh and you know i'm i'm into soul i don't know if i'm gonna pay 30 dollars to watch soul 
um, yeah, if, if they do that Mulan type release. Like, I will wait until it's free on Disney Plus, and I will totally watch it. I am a big fan of Pixar. Um, I don't really think, I mean, Cars two, and uh, that's kind of I've never seen Cars two, and I don't know if I ever will. Yeah, I'm not uh, a fan of any of those films, even the first one. I'm just not overly I, sold by those. I like Cars, and Cars 3 was like, you know, is what Cars 2 probably should have been instead of like mm-hmm. the weird spy caper that they tried to make it. And then, um, you know, Good Dinosaur is fine. I didn't I didn't dislike it. Um, I forgot about that completely. Yeah, that's probably the most forgotten one. Um, but I, I love the Toy Story movies, obviously. Those are three of my favorite, well, four of my favorite films now. Um, it would be one of my... They touch. Yes, gold. Uh, it would have been one of my favorite uh, trilogies if they had not turned it into probably now arguably the best quadrilogy. <laughs> yeah. um, well, it's better than Alien Resurrection was to to tie off that quadrilogy, right? And then it's better than uh, Crystal Skull, uh, right? So, uh, um, which yeah, again, I, another yeah. trilogy ruined by a fourth. <laughs> you know, I know people are desperately trying to bang the drum to say it's not as bad as it's look. Crystal Skull, it, as a standalone film, is fine, but when when it's part of the Indiana Jones canon, it sticks out like a sore thumb. Hey, look, David Diggs is in Soul as well, which is good, cool. Oh, I, Jamie Foxx and David Diggs are in it. Yeah, hundred percent yeah, de- Rotten Tomatoes. I know it's got rave reviews. I'm definitely down to watch it for sure. Like I was, I was very much looking forward to that movie. Um, I'm just not going to drop thirty dollars on it. Uh, not at first, you know. Like it's just not, not for me, but. <laughs> I think that's Felicia Richard's in it as well. Sorry oh. to sorry to jump oh, in again. No. Felicia Richard, just as a coincidence, she's also in it as well. Trent Reznor scores it, so looking forward to that. Whoa, really? Yep, Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross are composing. That's this. weird, though. Like, given what yep. the movie seems to be about, and the cast you just listed, like it's weird to it's pick jazz, isn't it? Yeah, about, to yeah. pick those two very white guys to do that score yeah man seems like a weird choice pixar um you know just saying we should see uh that's interesting um now i'm i'm curious in a different way about that movie all of a sudden so um let's let's move away from headlines and let's talk about some consumption uh we got to stay nourished and we do that with some media this is media consumption movies tv video games podcast not ours that we have uh used to pass the time in between our recordings matt uh why don't you I don't remember. Do I usually go first if I introduce it, or do you go first? That is the case, yes. Okay, well, then I will go. We're snappy on this show, guys. Uh, I've watched mainly films again this week. Uh, I mentioned The Lie up top. No spoilers. not going to give any spoilers. But The Lie was the second um, part of the Welcome to the Blumhouse duology, which dropped this week. It stars Joey King as a 15-year-old. Oh. Yep. Um, I'm pretty sure it's in the film. She's 15 years old. And I immediately, I thought, right, this is going to take a lot for me to get into this. Um, it's basically, it's about how far will a family go to protect their loved ones and the idea of unconditional love, you know, how far can you push that envelope of unconditional love before it becomes, you know, a bit questionable. Um, it's not awful. I'll, I'll say that. Peter Sarsgaard and Maria Linos, they're very decent. I think they're great, actually, as their parents. Um, they're forced to face some not overly great truths that begin to take a toll on their mental health and the way those two portray it. I think they're very good. Again, this is a thriller. It's not a horror in any sense of the word. It's a thriller. Um, but to me, it's missing something. It's missing something. It never really kind of dives into a psychological aspect. And I know I mentioned... Sarsgaard and Marilenos, but there are other characters in this film 
which could have really done with some development in terms of that psychological damage. It's a bit surface level for some characters, um, which kind of didn't meant I wasn't as drawn in and engrossed as I wanted to be in this film. This also has a twist. That's a bit, yeah, the, the twist pushed it too far for me. I was like, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not digging that, not buying that. It's fine. The lie is out of the two. The black box for me is the better film. The lie the lie does feel very much like a streaming film. When I think of the Netflix originals, which I kind of think are like, ah, you know, it's one and I've, I've watched it. I don't remember it. It's done with. It's gone for good for my memory. The lie is very much like that for me. I watched it. You know, it's fine for when I was watching it, but I don't ever envisage going back to watch it again. Or by the time we do the next episode of BAMP, I probably struggle to remember an awful lot that happened in it. So, uh, Joey King, come on, sort your Asian out. Sarsgaard and Enos are decent, though. It's fine. It's fine. I want to hear what John thinks. So if you do get a chance to watch it, John, I'd love to hear what you think about it. But for me, it very much was a middle-of-the-road film. Um, for astrology, in the next upcoming show, I've watched Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone or Sorcerer's Stone at Stateside. So I rewatched that for our upcoming episode of Astrology. And for the next episode, we are looking an extra month or so in advance because that's, you know, it's so organised. I watched uh, 1968's Funny Girl with Barbara Streisand and The Love Bug, which is on Disney+. Plus. The Love Bug is a film which will be mentioned on that show and it's on Disney+. Plus. So I checked that out. I'll save my thoughts for those two instalments. So is The, the Love Bug the um, Lindsay Lohan? Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it is a the sixty eight version of that film. Ah, of, like, oh, okay. So we're we're talking yeah. the original. I'm sorry, I, I was yeah. thinking for the two thousand one episode, but no, uh, no, no. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. we've got two thousand and one's coming next. For those who don't know astrology, me and John, we talk about a year in film, everything about that year in film, but especially like the main films that came out when the award winner. So, two thousand and one will be Harry Potter was one of the ones I saw, and for sixty eight was the Love Bug and Funny Girl. So tune into those episodes to see what. Uh, John and myself think about that, but that's another couple of months yet. Um, for the next episode of MPM, Moving Picture Madness, we're doing horror month still, and two of the films I watched were Return of the Living Dead Big fan of that. and From Beyond as well. For 80s, um, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft film. And I also watched some of the ones that I'm going to be talking about, like Dog Soldiers, um, uh, trick or treat i kind of remember the film i'm talking about now the strangers so a lot of horror this month for kind of ties into what we're doing on the bamp it's just like uh horror or thriller or gloomy films everywhere so yeah. i mean it's the, been checking it's the time out of the month. those films it's the good time because even on a movie club we're doing something very similar we're, we're doing uh i'll show you scary as our theme and we've watched two really uh well so far good ones in fact um I didn't. I think I cut you off. I think you're still talking uh, squadron. So I'll... no, man, no, no. Carry on, man. Well, I mean, my uh, mine is going to be one of the movies that I watched. But you know, we're we're doing similar stuff over at our other pod too because it's it's October. This is what we do, right? You watch horror movies in October. It's, it's the right. You eat pumpkin spice. You drink pumpkin spice, and you watch horror films, man, yeah, or atmospheric pumpkin. films like the others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. Well, we've, that that's the films I've watched. I've watched an awful lot of films, but. Um, over the next couple of weeks, it's going to be aimed at those astrology episodes. I'm going to swat up on that, especially the 68 one. Um, and it's, other than that, I've been continuing to play Star Wars Squadrons um, to see if I can get more out of it. I squatted up with the Star Wars Sessions co-host Luke the other day because our main concern was, is this game going to be any good if you can't like play with your friends? 
the times I've played by myself, myself has been a bit. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather play Star's Fighter Assault on Battlefront too, to be fair. But the time when I squatted up, if you will, with the sessions co-host, great, wonderful. My brother, he's got an Xbox. He jumped on as well. We have Playstations. We couldn't hear him, but we know he, we knew he was in the game. Uh, we were speaking to each other, and it took on a greater element. It was so much. It was infinitely more fun with that communal experience. So, JB, if you ever pick this game up. Mm-hmm. We'll jump on it and you'll see that it's so much more fun when you can interact and bounce off each other and stuff. So Squadron's still not, it's still just a fine game for me. But if you are listening and you are dilly-dallying about getting it, the communal experience was a blast. Uh, And I've also downloaded Days Gone. It's available on PS Now. My buddy Ant, who I co-host with on NPM, has been streaming this game. Sam Whitworth does the voice and motion work for it. And from what I saw, it looked boss. I, my understanding was when it came out, it wasn't like wasn't glo- like universally met with any acclaim. It was just meant to be okay. But it's getting a um, reevaluation recently. People are kind of looking at it and asked to say like, "This game is incredible." And from what I've seen, it looks great. So I'm going to be diving into that uh, in between watching films. But like I say, for the next few weeks, man, it's going to be Blumhouse and 68 films for me. But um, what about yourself? Because you've always got a fine selection, man. Well, you know, I, I keep talking about Blank Check Podcast, which is my favorite active like podcast that I listen to. I um and I am a patron to uh something that I don't always do, but they they have so many uh episodes on the Patreon, I felt the I felt need the need for it. And I had also listened to all of their back episodes, so I I wanted something to listen to, so I went that route. Um and uh they're currently doing the Robert Zemeckis thing, so they just dropped the Back to the Future 2 episode, which is what prompted me to watch the trilogy. Um, after two episodes of Back to the Future talk, I was like, man, I really got to watch these movies. I, I love <laughs> them done so their much. job. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I've, that trilogy, I think, honestly, I think is my favorite trilogy. Um, I love Star Wars, but Back to the Future, I mean, literally, I probably got a VHS of Back to the Future like in 87. Like, that was my first, like, you know, owning the movie, it was two years old, and I saw uh, a double header of Back to the Future two and three at our. We used to have a, like a mugs and movies where like they would serve food and stuff. At that, that was like it was a dollar theater too. So like I remember distinctively Sweet. going to see that when I was a kid with my mom, and I've always loved those movies. Like I, I'm a Michael J. Fox fan, anyways. But those those three films, I just I can't tell you how many times I've watched them. I've watched them in insane amount of time, and for me. And this is a very hot take, but when I was a kid, two was my favorite for sure because of all mm-hmm. the cool future stuff, right? Like I love seeing yep. the hoverboard and stuff. Like the the second part was cool, but the first half of that movie was like my favorite thing ever. Um, as an adult, I really love Back to the Future three. I I don't think it's as important of a movie, but I have so much fun watching the third one every single time. I just have a blast with that movie, and it, partly because. As an adult, I've grown to appreciate Westerns where I never really liked Westerns as a kid. Um, and I, I give credit to Red Dead Redemption. That really opened me up to the world of Westerns in a way that no other thing had ever done. Um, and Red Dead Redemption 2 just made that stronger. And so, um, and watching yesterday, I love the first one. I love the second one. I, I have some issues with the second one. I think the second one breaks some of their own rules about time travel that they established mm-hmm. in the first film. But I won't get into that here because that is like a whole hour-long podcast in and of itself but the third one is uh the stakes are very similar to the first film you know like we have to fix the delorean so we can go home it's simple but it's in the old west and it's fun and let's be real 
I love Michael J. Fox. I love Christopher Lloyd in these movies. Yeah. They're, they're excellent. But Tom Wilson is the undisputed all-star of these films. Like, look at what they he has take. to do. Look what he has. Uh, to be fair, I think the, the blank check might have made this hot take first. But look what no, he no, has we're taking to do. This. I mean, between he's Biff, he's old Biff, he's young Biff, he's Griff. Like, he has the most, like, performance difference compared to, like, his, you know, Christopher Lloyd's Doc Brown. That's it. Michael J. Fox is a bunch of other characters, but they're, they're minimal scenes, right? Like he's he's yeah, yeah. the the daughter and whatever, but they're like for thirty seconds. Tom Wilson is doing significantly different types of things. Like if you look at Back to the Future Two, when he is uh, Griff, he's like short circuiting and being like weird and quirky, but then he's also doing old Biff, where he is like matured a little bit, and he's kind of like he's still Biff, but he's like, what if Biff finally grew up? You know, and then mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Uh, Biff in the beginning of the first movie and then at the end when he's like all like you know like oh uh, sorry boss you know, I'll get, you know like he's it's such a different performance throughout the trilogy that he's doing crazy great work and unfortunately it, it kind of damns his career though because everyone associates with him as Biff from then yeah. on right but uh and he even if you're I've seen him do I've actually met Tom Wilson um I saw him oh, stand up so. a couple of years ago yeah I didn't even think about that connection until just now but I, I we uh I won tickets to see him do stand up at our local improv. Um, my wife and I and a friend went and then he did autographs afterwards. And so we got Sweet. a picture with him because it's freaking Biff. Uh, but I don't know if you've Dude, ever you heard. Get up on the socials, man. Right. Well, do you know um, uh, that he has a song that's like you can find the song on YouTube where it's him like answering questions that he's constantly bombarded with about Back to the Future. <laughs> and it's it's, it's, so fun. it's so funny, dude, because it's just like, um, he basically just wrote literally like a song where he answers every inane fan question that could ever come up at like a, a con or whatever. It's I'll, I'll send you the link to it. Cause it's, it's great. Thank but, you. Um, but yeah, so uh, the other thing the blank check did though, this week for patrons is they did a uh, two hour episode of fanfare where they looked at um, all of the opening, like the evolution of the opening title credits for the six big studios. So like universal's mm-hmm. title credits and it's a good show. I didn't expect to be so enthralled by it. And I was like stupidly like, like this is unbelievably interesting and it shouldn't be because it really, you know, I think non movie junkies, this, that would be almost like the, like, wait, you're going to look at the first three or four seconds of every movie. Like what is mm-hmm. that? Not every movie, but you know what I mean? Like the evolution of it. it's, it's such yeah, a thing. Yeah. But when you've watched as many movies as like you and I have, those things have, sentimental meaning you know they they remind you of distinct moments in your life because especially so those variations because i what just watching something like funny girl for example mm-hmm. or all uh, the love bug it 100 was thinking during it that i miss these old titles sometimes and i generally was like watching these older films and you see the old like columbia pictures or universal logo i mean the way it looks then it's so odd that you mention it now but um I just wanted to mention that kind of odd coincidence. I was thinking that the other day. Yeah, it's a really cool episode. Um, they actually they they also released for the patrons um, a, the their Zoom call video so that you can watch like they're watching the like the clips of each one. So you if you wanted to see them like while they were watching them, you can do that too. So it's they're they're good to their patrons. Um, this was like a Patreon reward because they were supposed to do a couple of like um, if they hit their certain tiers, they were going to go to Disney World, and obviously the pandemic shut down a lot of yeah. reward options. So this is like a temporary replacement reward. And they're currently, uh, they they do 
commentaries on the the, uh, the Patreon episodes, and um, they uh, I'm still here, right? Okay. Um, sorry, my screen went dark for a second. I was like, uh, nope, you still there? But um, the uh, man, that really messed up my brain when the computer screen went down. But um, <laughs> just like my brain shut down too. Uh, Patreon rewards. They're doing um the alien series right now they're doing commentary on the alien uh franchise without avp so they're doing uh prometheus and covenant as well as the quadrilogy but they're not covering the avp films but they uh they do for me because they're a lot of the commentaries are movies that i'm very very familiar with like i have not had to watch the movie to listen to their commentaries because i know the movies well enough to like just Mm -hmm. listen to them talk about the film and i I just i have a great time with that podcast so if you haven't listened to it i highly recommend if you like this podcast you should like the blank check podcast um they are even bigger movie nerds than us i think um i what i've been watching though i I finished legend of Korra season two uh which took me forever like season two was just not pulling me in but season three, I knocked out in like a day. Mm-hmm. Season three is amazing. It is such good TV. Like it is character development. It is everything about that season, especially if you're a fan of Avatar The Last Airbender. I think it really finally pays off for the sequel series. Uh, that's where season three is where the money is. I, I've heard season four is also really good. I've not started four yet. I needed like, I wanted to take a minute to decompress because three was so good. And I, I binged through it so fast. I was just like, okay, I need to savor four for a little bit. So I'm going to wait at least a week before I watch four. But um, and then uh, for Movie Club, I mentioned earlier we are doing horror movies. I watched the classic Don't Look Now, uh, which yeah. I didn't realize was a British film. Um, so apparently uh, one of the we beloved British horror. horror films. Um, I I don't love it. Okay. Don't dislike it. Um, and I appreciate that it's it's doing some crazy artistry type filmmaking. But that it doesn't always work for me. And Corey felt even a little harsher on it so again Corey and i have this uh track we don't always see eye to eye on our on movies that we uh modern films but when it comes to a lot of these beloved horror films um when we've watched them together for the the episodes we've been kind of eye to eye we hated phantasm uh phantasmagoria or whatever that movie was phantasm yeah, yeah. um we we neither of us were big fans of suspiria um and again, not that we think it's badly made. We just didn't enjoy watching it. It doesn't do for us what it does for other people. And that's kind of the same. Don't look now. At first, I was really not into it because I thought the acting was like way over the top and like kind of big theatrical even. Um, and I, I liked Donald Sutherland. So I was like kind of really pumped. And then I was like, and I, honestly, there's still some scenes where I just think the acting is so not of a quality that I would associate with Sutherland. Um, like the end of the movie, there's like, I don't know. Um, it, it, but it's, it's interesting. It's weird. It's definitely got some David Lynch type like vibes, which of course mm-hmm. is, it predates David Lynch. So obviously if anything, it's the other way around, but um, we did, we didn't associate though. The filmmaker is also the guy who did the man who fell to earth, mm-hmm. which Corey and I also it didn't love. Um, yeah, I mean, David Bowie's great, but it's a really weird movie. And again, he does some really interesting stuff. It's just not always stuff that vibes with my sensibilities. And I'm just kind of like, okay, I get it. You're editing rapidly. Um, you're cross-cutting between two <laughs> scenes that seemingly have no purpose. But I get there's a... You set the book off. Yeah, so I get it. But it just it doesn't fully click for me. And uh, the last movie I watched, and I'm going to actually go. uh, bring this up. So, Matt, it's a long-going tradition that I have issues with horse movies, right? <laughs> yes john hates horses so 
it has become to my uh, attention because of this recent discovery. I also appear to have an avoidance towards astronaut like films, not science fiction astronaut films, but like actual astronaut based films. Um, because I, I've never seen uh, the right stuff. Yes. I've never seen Apollo 13. And I did see Damien Chazelle's first man, but was underwhelmed by that movie. That didn't help, did it? No. No. So um, now the reason I bring up the right stuff first is my friend, uh, who is now a fan of our podcast, um, Movie Astrology. Uh, I don't Ooh. know if she's listening to this one or not, to be honest, which I have to get onto her about that. But um, her father is an actor. And he is in uh, a few episodes of this new Disney Plus series called Right Stuff, which is about the same astronauts from the movie. Um, It's a net. It's a National Geographic, I think, uh, series that they filmed in Cape Canaveral, which I'm in Florida. So that was I think probably helped his uh, getting the job. But he's I think on episodes four and five. Um, I won't drop names or anything, but he's he's there. And uh, that brought me to like bringing up to her that I'd never seen it. And she had recently listened to our astrology episode where I also admit say i hadn't seen apollo 13 so she was like flabbergasted this is a a teacher who uh has been selected by nasa multiple times uh to do different educational things she is a huge supporter of of nasa and the whole science world uh also a history teacher but she's she's very versed and she does everything so um she essentially uh enthusiastically encouraged that i I watched Apollo 13 and the right stuff as soon as possible. So I watched Apollo 13. Finally, Um, a a movie that's been on my gap list for years that when I started Burke reviews in 2016, I purchased it on Blu-ray with the intention of watching it. And because I was so busy that year and I was watching a movie every day and I was also getting my master's degree. um, I, I, I avoided movies that were over two hours constantly if i like i'd look at the runtime be like i don't have two hours to watch this this movie these two films two hours and 19 minutes right so i'm like i i'm not gonna be able to pull this off so i never got to it i finally sat down last night and put it on and i i'll tell you uh the first opening sequence where they're at the party when they're they're waiting to see neil armstrong walk on the moon and the shot that howard lingers on of of hanks uh staring at the tv just it's just him looking at the TV and just Hanks, I think might have one of the best reaction faces in, in cinema. Like, I just feel like he can sell any emotion so well and make you connect to him so quickly that I was sucked in right then um, just because of him. And Sweet. Uh, it cuts to the outside of him holding his thumb up to the moon. Yep. I love that little shot. I think it's great. And it just Hanks is, is so well, Hanks in that movie, right? He's just, mm-hmm perfect Tom um, Hanks. i i liked uh, uh, pretty much everything in the film um you know bill bill uh it's paxton is great ed, uh, ed harris is in this film and harris, he's in the wrong stuff as well okay so i really like ed harris generally blonde oh, no. ed harris was a was a oh that was a look boy uh i was not expecting Steely-eyed blonde ed harris yeah that was that was something um I did like seeing uh, – I'm a big fan of That Thing You Do, which would come out a year later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, one of the guys that is like the boss at NASA is the first manager of the band for That Thing You Do. And that was cool because I hadn't really seen him in other things that I was aware of. Um, and it was cool like him and Hanks worked on this movie together. So obviously that's probably where they met to do That Thing You Do. And I appreciate that a lot. So I was like – I like that. Um, yeah, I – it's it's exactly what I anticipated. It was really good. I'm not surprised. Uh I do think it might be one of Howard's best films. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, Howard being Ron Howard. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm glad I finally watched it. I'm glad I can check that one off the gap list. Um, to me though, it's more like I, I'm looking at it more of like a Hanks completionist. There's a, there's a few other Tom Hanks movies. I have not seen some big ones like green mile. Um, Another long one. Yeah, no, that's the same. I bought, literally, I bought that Road to Perdition and Apollo 13 when I started Burke Reviews, and all of them are too long, and I never got to any of them. So <laughs> um, they're all the, just sitting here. The Green Mile is worth it for me, though. That's that to me, like Green Mile, Forrest Gump, and Shawshank Redemption. I know that that one doesn't have Hanks, but those three movies are frequent, like non cinephile favorite movies. Like, those are like mm-hmm. the movies that people like quote as like, that's the best movie. Yeah, um, yeah. And so uh, I had avoided both Shawshank, well, Shawshank and Green Mile for a long time, partly because of that, because of like so many people just like, oh, it's the best. I'm just like, yeah, fine. You know, it, it's probably not. And I still, I don't, I think Shawshank is very good. I don't think it's the best. I also don't think Forrest Gump is the best. I get why people like it, but yeah, um, I, I, I don't dislike it. I, I just don't think Shawshank it's... To, to Forrest Gump and probably the Green Mile, but then the Green Mile, I think is very good. But yeah, that that was that's what I've watched. Um, it Sweet. feels like a lot, uh, but I, I I have not had as much time for movies. I do think I'm starting to get uh, into a groove at work where I might actually be able to start watching some more movies again. Um, we'll see how that goes. Of course, with the ever changing landscape of my my job right now, we'll see if I can keep this uh, structure going. But um, I think that's it for media consumption. But this is the most important part, yeah. listeners, for this podcast to work. Matt and I have to not just talk, we have to live this. We have to be bloody awesome. And it is hard work to keep us this awesome. And so we must, at the end of every episode, just check in to make sure we're doing everything in our power to keep the momentum going. And so, Matt, I must ask you, what are you doing to stay bloody awesome? Well, for that most excellent intro, it is like the Wild Stallions. This, I, 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 I've really put myself out this week in terms of, Staying bloody awesome. It was tough. It's been a labour, but we finally got there. And it and it's alliteration. It's something which I certainly know the the flavouring is close to your heart. But it's pumpkin pie. It's pumpkin pie. I know the um your neighbours up there in Canada have just celebrated their Thanksgiving, and of course a couple of months, uh, a couple of weeks time, it'll be Thanksgiving over there in the states, and pumpkin pie will be everywhere. But over here, the leaves are falling. I'm embracing it. I didn't buy it. I made it. I was, I've was i made it last year and it was fine. But this year I was shopping in the supermarket or the, the big old grocery store, whatever it's called today. It's called. Um, and I walked into the international aisle just, just to see if they had, you know, canned pumpkin or would I have to go out and actually flesh out an actual pumpkin, which is what I did the first time in the house stank. And it made me feel, oh. the smell made me feel sick. It tasted great. But the smell of like roasted pumpkin made me feel so sick but um they had cans of pumpkin imported from the states i was like okay i'll get that all of the all of the spices i needed i got i made the pastry i literally went like in on this and the problem i always find is when you when you go in on something and you make it from scratch it is even more crushing if it turns out bad do you know what i mean it's kind of like if you when you buy the individual components together and you just chuck it in it's like okay i know it's going to be at least half decent when you make it from scratch, you've got to get it right. And thankfully, it turned out right. It's incredible. I love pumpkin pie anyway. It's something I've been converted to about seven years ago now. I always wanted to try it, 
but it was an America, a colleague of mine, someone I used to manage a, a travel agent years ago. Her boyfriend at the time or fiance was American and he, he was making a pumpkin pie. So I thought, you know, not so subtly said, you know what? I've always wanted to try pumpkin pie, but I've never known anyone who could make it. Next day, pumpkin pie arrives on the desk. So pleased, tried it, incredible, loved it. And ever since then, I've, I've really enjoyed this. And I've now, I'm trying to get into the baking side of life a bit more. But pumpkin pie has kept me going for this last week or last few days. Like JV said, it's a tough world out there. And sometimes you need that comfort, whether it's a film, whether it's a person or music, a piece of music, whatever, or food. Full season, pumpkin pie, cinnamon, cloves, nutmeg, all of that good stuff. That was my comfort food. And it, it sustains these like almost untenable levels of bloody awesomeness, but it's pushed them over that level for another week. And pumpkin pie, my friends, if you haven't tried it, do it, as Emperor Palpatine said. Go out there and get yourself some. Are you a fan of pumpkin pie, JB? Oh, yeah, big time. Good in fact, man. it's... It, it, it's one of those many American things where I didn't realize it was an American thing. You know what I'm saying? Like we're so like it's very so- American. It's to us over here. We we've been over here for a while. It's not like it's not this thing which we just discovered, but yeah, it is still quintessentially a, a U.S. thing. I I I think there's no secret here. I love pumpkin. Um, I I am a big fan of most things pumpkin. Uh, my mother-in-law uh, started making pumpkin bread a few years ago, and that's that is actually I think my favorite Game pumpkin changer. treat. Um, it's very, very good, but pumpkin pie, definitely. I, I would, I think pumpkin pie is my favorite pie mm. in general. Um, I do like a lot of pie. I, I actually think pie greater than cake. Yeah. Um, <laughs> love pie. <laughs> uh, yeah. Pie is so good. And it's, it's not something that you get a lot, at least not like my, none of my family has ever made pie. It feels like we've always store pie. Yeah. And it, it definitely comes around this time of year, but I, I love a good piece of pie. Um, you know, we used to have some of the big diner chains used to have like really great pie. And now it seems like that's not a thing anymore. And it's, it's a shame. Cause I, I was my favorite part of like going to a diner, you get coffee and pie. Yep. And it's like the diners around here, they just don't have real pie anymore. It's, it's just disappointing. Um, but yeah, I, I love a good pumpkin pie. Um, I can't have them around though, dude, cause I will eat it. Like it's getting, it's, uh, if it's, if there's a pumpkin pie in the fridge, uh, it's not making it through the weekend. You know what I'm saying? Like the pie I made was the size of a dinner plate, I guess over here. So, you know, standard size, I don't know what the inch of the tin was, but fairly standard size one, you know, pretty big. I have eaten the majority of it. Uh, my, my daughter, she tried it and I was like, you're not going to like this, but she is an animal and will eat anything you give her literally anything she will eat. Um, which is good, which is good. Um, and uh, everybody else enjoyed it as well. So, uh, which is how I know it's good. If everyone in this house likes it, great. But I have eaten about three, about sixty percent of this quite large pie. Are, are you putting uh, whipped cream on it or anything? I thought you putting weight on. It. I was like, absolutely. Uh, yes, I am. Yeah, <laughs> I've um, getting whipped cream and but I I bought some double cream and I've been whisking that up. I've been throwing cinnamon in in that as well. And I know double cream extremely bad for the waistline, but it's a treat. Whip it up with a bit of cinnamon so it gets like it forms a stiff peak and putting that on it as well. And woo, I don't always treat myself to this level, guys. So I, I'm not quite that much of a diva, but I thought about it literally in the supermarket. And it was that kind of like, if I'm going to do it for this particular moment of my life, I'm doing it. I'm doing it like this way. and I'm making everything. And if it works great and if it fails, well, that's it. That's the end. But thankfully it didn't. So, But I'm glad you I'm glad to know you like pumpkin pie as well. Um, but what about yourself, John? Because you know you're bloody awesome as it is. But how are you keep how are you keeping these levels up? 
Well, so I went with uh, the idea of me time. Um, my my time has been pretty much given away um, for the last two months as I, I devoted myself completely to my job. And um, I don't know how many actual hours I've worked, but we don't get paid by the hour. Mm. And I've worked way, way more hours than a normal person would work, uh, bringing work home with me and all the time. And this article, uh, I actually linked in our show notes, but I um, this article was sent to me from a colleague and it, it it landed very close to home, but it's our teachers. Okay. This is the headline. Our teachers. Okay. No. And toxic positivity isn't helping. And I was not familiar with the term toxic positivity, but it's this idea of uh, basically um, saying really nice things, but also like them not being helpful at all. Okay. Um, like when someone says it could be worse or look on mm. the bright side, it's not really helping anything because it's not addressing the problem. It's like ignoring the actual problem. Mm-hmm. And um, the article advocates that teachers need to take more time to themselves and not have this martyr mindset, which we definitely do. A lot of teachers, um, we feel like we have to sacrifice everything for our profession. And most other professions don't are not asked to do that, right? Um, no. Once you're out the door, you're out the door. Opening. Right. Our, our job is almost expected that you're going to do a billion things off the clock mm-hmm. and uh, outside of your contracted time. And if you don't, uh, uh, there is this kind of, I wouldn't even say it's coming from anyone in in particular. I just think it's a general perception that if you don't sacrifice all of your life for this job, that you won't have this job, that you will be removed, that we need people who are willing to give us everything. And I definitely have felt that in my life. And so I've actively, because of this article, decided to start like, no, I'm not going to work tonight. I'm not going to work five hours mm-hmm. this evening i'm going to put it to the side because i i generally felt wiped out um and talking to a lot of my colleagues that is a consensus right now and i think we always feel a little burnt out and that's the thing it, it's easy to forget how you have felt in the past i've been doing this long enough where i i don't try to lie to myself and act like this is new every year after the like usually it's closer to december when you start to feel like this downhill like everything's awful kind of vibe and then it picks back up and things are fine again, usually. But this year it's exasperated again, like everything else, because of the pandemic. Everything mm-hmm. is worse yep. um, because everything is different. Everything is new. You, the things that you used to do to relax, you can't do anymore because they're closed, like going to the movies. And, you know, so um, it, it, it required me to actively decide to not work for a, a night or two. And it was needed. Um, so like sometimes I think we we forget that, you can't help anybody else if you are suffering yourself. You got to take care of yourself first. And sure, maybe maybe you don't do something. But I also, um, it's made me reevaluate what, like, how much of what we do as teachers is really necessary versus this uh, idea of what we think is necessary. Like, I think sometimes we put in, we have to have all these things. And it's like, maybe you don't. Isn't the goal to, like, make sure the kids are thinking and, and learning content? But if you're just, like, firing assignment after assignment after assignment are they really getting anything out of it and so that's i think reevaluating that as a as a culture is important i think education needs to be altered it needs to be changed the 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 reality is memorization isn't really needed anymore Mm -hmm. because you have instant access to everything ever on your phone instead learning how to process information learning how to decipher valuable information and all of those skills associated with thinking are much more needed than memorization. And so that shift needs to happen on a bigger scale. 
Um, and I think we could see some major things. But again, the, not to go off on a tangent, this is not an education podcast, but me time, Matt, that's how I say bloody awesome. But we've, we've said this a few, especially since, well, post-apocalypse, because we always thought by the time that uh, run its course, we may be like the light at the end of the tunnel would be here. Turns out, the, like the meme, the light at the end of the tunnel is Darth Vader in Rogue One. That is the light at the end of the tunnel at the minute, but... We've mentioned it before. Me time. You need it. I we I've I've said it before. Sometimes you just you just switch off. You don't do the movie thing or the work thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Some things you can't switch off. Of course, like light certain things. But there are no nothing's that can't be sacrificed. Is there, man? If you don't enjoy your job, if you don't enjoy your podcast, or if you don't enjoy watching films or listening to music, then you switch off for a little while and you get the love back, and or at least you get your 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 marbles back. Um, so it's the right thing to do, man. Yep, it's necessary for uh, sanity, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, uh, most of the time I think we're both insane, more on the insanity side of it, but yep. um, we can veer closer to sanity. It's always a good thing. Well, I think that concludes our episode. Um, let's look f- towards next week. We're going to continue in the Blumhouse uh, model, and we're going to be watching the newest. Uh, two more films are dropping on Amazon. I don't remember what the other one is, but the one we're going to be reviewing is Nocturne. Um, directed by Zoo Quirk, or Quirky, not 100%. Stars Sydney Sweeney, Madison Iceman, Jacquis Coleman, Brandon Keener, mm-hmm. and some other people. Um, I uh, This one is highly recommended by Big Tuna, so I'm very excited to check this one out. It is out now on Prime, uh, but we'll be talking about it next week. Um, so come back for that. Uh, and then we would like for you to follow us on social. So Matt, where can they find us on Twitter? Uh, you find us at BAMP underscore podcast b-a-m-p underscore podcast and we're on instagram of course at bloody awesome movie pod and you can find us on facebook just by searching bloody awesome movie podcast uh individually matt if they want to see what else you've been doing writing talking saying where can they find you uh you'll find everything at what i watch tonight.co.uk um and on the socials just find search what i watch tonight uh, on twitter on instagram and letterboxd and you'll see my face so lucky you. And that's how you can find me. <laughs> and I'm at BurkeReviews.com and Burke Reviews on all the socials, including Letterboxd. Um, if you like what we're doing here on the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, we ask that you take just a minute on whatever prog- podcast provider you use to rate and review us. It helps other people find the podcast. And that's how we can keep doing this. If more people listen, the easier it is for us to keep this going. Um, with that, we encourage you to keep watching movies and stay bloody awesome. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Blood, 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 blood.